Welcome to another episode of the Utah Geospatial Podcast. This is Greg Bunce. And I'm Matt Peters. And we're from the Utah Geospatial Resource Center. And this podcast will be bringing you geospatial news from across Utah. Today we talked to Nancy Arbon at the Utah Public Health Laboratory and George McEwen, the IT Director at the Utah Department of Health. In this interview, we'll hear about the importance of technology during a pandemic and also the human relationships that we built and how they still play a key role. Also how this pandemic has actually strengthened the relationships between the local and the state health departments. And then the importance of standardization as we bring data together and aggregate it, the importance of being on the same page with the data. We'll also get into how GIS is, can be super useful in uh, pandemics or other outbreaks um, and how when we start to visualize this data, privacy and security is something that we need to be keenly aware of. And then we'll also get into how GIS is critical when deploying social services and resources. You'll hear how we really can't do this successfully without the GIS component. So let's jump right in. So we're just trying to raise awareness about GIS and also understand what other agencies are doing. And since Nancy, you've been a familiar face to us for a number of years and, uh, George, since you were the godfather, we just wanted to say, kind of get your perspective. We're always, you know, it's it's hard to get a proper perspective when you're deep in it kind of thing. And so by speaking with other people, we tend to have a good, good conversation and good learning about what others view GIS as and what uses it has in their in their careers. So that's kind of our general story. And I thought it could be good because I don't know you guys as well and, and for other folks out there. Um, but if you don't mind doing just a really brief introduction on, on who you are and what you do. Maybe Nancy, you want to start it off? Sure, I'll start it off. Um, I'm, I'm Nancy Garbon. Uh, I've worked here at the Utah Public Health Laboratory for the last 10 years. And um, I'm the client services manager. So I travel throughout the state visiting all the hospitals, all the local health departments, all the water utilities, and on and on. Anybody that needs to be tested from birth to death, I interact with, it seems like. So eventually, Matt, you'll be interacting with. <laughs> so I interacted with Matt uh, initially to help me um, get a map of all the local health departments and break them apart with their county and then add all the hospitals onto the map um, and they did such a great job i used to i used to do mapping i used to work at a land survey business and a civil engineering firm down in southern utah or southern arizona um, and my husband is a land surveyor and he has always been touting how great um, AGRC is to work with. And so I I uh, took his advice and I went and I met with Matt and I asked him to make a map and they did an incredible job. So I've been utilizing them for various maps like uranium mines for our biomonitoring projects. And what else have I done with you, Matt? Uh, well, recently, of course, the COVID testing map with Jake. 
yeah, that's the biggest one that I've been working on. I had no idea how huge that would get and how much work that would take. But Matt gave me one of his best people, Jake Adams, and um, he's been working so hard, uh, making sure all that information's on there. And I've been um, just corresponding with him constantly. And, and I think it's the most used map that DTS has, isn't it? it if not, it's got to be very, very close. Mm -hmm. And I thought we could get into a little bit of that in a minute, um, but I wanted to jump over to George real quick and just get a, a quick introductory and background. Hi, I'm George McEwen. I'm the IT director at the Department of Health, and, and I've uh, been enjoying the trial and tribulations that come along with uh, learning what your blind sides are during a pandemic with IT systems. So it's been uh, it's been an interesting ride over the last, well, I would say, uh, 18, 19 months now of, of our pandemic era that we're in. It's been a, a pretty amazing time to be in public health IT and to see the, the struggles and the triumphs we've had. Excellent. Thanks. So we're providing, it seems like, the the testing sites map. And then there's like the, the find a vaccine side of what you guys do on a map. And then the monitoring the cases side. Um, and I thought it'd be kind of fun to touch on all of those and how GIS is being implemented. It looks like you might be using a little bit of open source for some of the other ones. And then where we seem to be fitting in is the testing site. Um, so maybe we could pick up where you were mentioning that's, that is one of the, the highest used maps. Um, and, and obviously there is a reason for that. It's just been a, such a useful tool for, you know, the citizens of Utah. Um, do you want me to talk about how it started or? Uh, sure. Well, I guess, I guess one of the, so if I was just going to go off the cuff here, I think one of the things I'm curious is where does this data come from? And I guess how, how is the state um, health department of health, how, how do they interact with the local departments of health and how does all that data that gets into these maps, how does that all get rolled up? Because when I look at the site, um, you guys have a lot of stuff on there and it's impressive and, and it has to be pretty, entangled on the back end and complex. So just curious, how does all that roll up? Um, it, it started from just um, all the partners that I've been visiting for 10 years when the pandemic began, uh, just working with our head officials, our leadership, um, contacting um, all of the various like potential test testing partners asking them if they'd like to start testing and if they could be put on the map, what their hours of operation will be, what's their phone number, what's the link they need. And so it was just a matter of making constant um, Zoom call after Zoom call after Zoom call um, with all these various partners around the state and collecting all of that information. Um, I run the career services too here at the lab. And so um, I've, I have a lot of those contacts already. And so it was just a matter of getting everybody, um, setting them up with meetings and talking to them about whether or not they could start testing and getting them the supplies they needed and and then listing them as a test site. And is the data fairly standardized that you guys get or do you kind of have to massage it into a, you know, basically a unified format to fit into the applications that you're showing? Yeah, so initially it wasn't and then we quickly figured out that we needed um, like a Google form for people to fill out um, and then hit all those um, 
all that those information points that we needed that were required to be on the test site so that the public would have all the information they needed. You know, Nancy, I, I don't want to jump from that too quick, but I am curious. So now that folks in your area have been exposed to kind of putting data on a map, is there been any thoughts or or chatter about, well, okay, we did testing sites. So what are other things that would help to have a visual representation of? Is there any talk about those types of things? Oh gosh, yeah, Matt. Um, we had our um, zoonotic disease folks here and I showed them the um, healthcare facilities map that you guys made. And they were talking about rabies and ticks and seeing where you know, cases have occurred and mapping them out and using them in present presentations. Um, so yeah, people like when they see my map, they always have questions and they want to utilize it somehow. So um, yeah, there's a lot of chatter. And I guess, George, that is kind of my question to you is, is each, every few months, it seems we get another contact at health and, uh, you know, a lot of folks, of course, are epidemiologists. Uh, I think we do things with the all-payers database and just there's a variety of geocoding going on, finding a, a latitude, longitude for addresses. And from your perspective as the IT director, do you, do you feel like GIS is gaining a bigger foothold or it, it just seems like there's all these pockets, all these pockets of GIS and I feel like one day it's just going to become one giant backpack of GIS, just some explosion out of all the pockets, and we're going to get a more uh, widespread adoption. Am I just dreaming, George, or, or do you see anything of that sort? No, Matt, I, I agree with you. I mean, I can picture you with your GIS backpack and lederhosen ready to go. So. <laughs> Um, I, I think that there's been there's a lot of things that we learned over the pandemic that were needs and wants. And of course, we've been using the, the API to correct the data in our uh, managed Medicaid environment for a while to hitting that for the lat long and for Utah addresses to kind of clean up our databases. So that's been very useful, but that's that's behind the scenes and not too visible. The visualization components of GIS are really coming into their own. The, the struggle we have, and, and this is where sitting where I do in the Department of Health, I really got a, a different set of regulations. I have state regulations and I have federal regulations related to the way that we use data, and they are different. And, and that's one of our, our challenges in GIS in the future is making sure that as we create visualizations that have a good, useful purpose inside the Department of Health, like, that we make sure that we're maintaining the privacy and security of, of the individuals that we're, we're attempting to create these maps about so from from the 50,000 foot GIS level we want to be able to see like a, a, a an outbreak cluster or where disparity in healthcare is taking place or where testing sites are lacking there's a bunch of these items that are really useful for people going forward and what we're doing now is we're we're starting to get involved in the dialogue of well how do you make that happen without violating any of these privacy rights and how do you how do you take this up to a metadata level, if you will, so that you can meet safe harbor requirements and still let the, the department do what it needs to do? So as, as much as there has been an awakening to GIS and to the absolute power that it has to help us see things 
and correlations that we will not see just staring at a spreadsheet or a database query. We, we need to make sure that we continue the education process with those individuals who want to do the visualization so that they don't accidentally step over the line and, and put us in jeopardy either on a federal compliance level with something like HIPAA or a state level compliance with communicable disease um, regulations. So uh, as, we, as we continue to march forward, if we keep those hand in hand, I think there's gonna be some more time that we need to spend with our, our legislators and helping them understand why these visualizations are useful and, and maybe get a couple more carve outs so the GIS can operate a little bit more freely inside the environment without people like me or the security officers going, whoa, 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 hold on, you can't do that because now you're violating X, Y, and Z in state code. So, um, you know, if, if, if we can get some of those solved, I think we're gonna have some standard dashboard GIS visualizations that are gonna go on for a very long time in the future. Yes, I feel like <clears throat> that's a real key and I'm not sure what the answer is 100%, but it's, it's like to say you can use GIS, but we need a good governance structure for privacy. So people realize that this is sensitive and it cannot just be flashed out to the world. But I feel like there, there's got to be some guardrails that can be put in place so internally the Department of Health can gain from the visualization but not have it released. Exactly. And, and I think that's going to be true of a lot of departments. You know, as we enter into this new era with uh, the citizen portal coming online and, and this concept that, that you as the citizen are the owner of your data and you're basically lending it to us for government purposes that there's going to be a lot more of, uh, I think, citizen awareness of what we're doing with data. And so, yeah, governance structures are definitely going to be a big thing into the future as to how we use this data. But you, you look at, there's a, a term that a lot of people are, are hearing a lot more about disparities in health care or uh, social determinants of health. The easiest way to see a social determinant of health is to start plotting that data on a map. And you can start to pick out neighborhoods, you can start to pick out cities and, and you can drill down really quickly and see where you should be strategically deploying your resources and what communities are under vaccinated. There's just a ton of things that can be done very easily from a, from a GIS perspective. So I'm excited about it. I really am. I think it's got the potential to help us in any future pandemic or for that matter, other activities where we're working with limited state resources. It will help us quickly deploy those resources where they need to go because literally it's on the map it's right in front of our faces so yeah the 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 idea <clears throat> when you talk talk about social determinants of health i'm just almost what would you say i'm shaken by that to think that that my life is definitely affected by where i live where i work uh the people i know the environment around me, trees in the neighborhood, uh, all those things. It's just, it's just alarming to me to think about all the things that are beyond a person's control that really affect their lives. Yeah, and piggybacking on that, I'm, I'm happy to hear um, the way you're talking with the, you know, looking at future pandemics and maybe using GIS for, for predictive analysis or uh, you know monitoring waves or, or bringing it in in a different in a different um, in a different angle it seems as though this time around maybe it was used to, to display things 
where we're at currently and where you can go and get things. But but I, I love hearing the fact that, you know, it, it could potentially move to the next level. Has is there any talk of that yet? Or are we just still just trying to get through this pandemic? I think there's some talk of it. Uh, there, obviously, as a as a state right now, we have a lot of moving parts with uh, data center moves and moves to the cloud. So, and we're dismissing a lot of technical debt that's existed inside the Department of Health and, and Human Services, for that matter, for a long time. So, our plates are a bit full, but we always want to look down the road to the next thing. And, and as we've seen from from some of the data that we've been able to plot, the, the social determinants are a real thing, and you know, people used to make that old adage, uh, you know, it depends on whether you live on the right side of the tracks or not. Well, that's not a joke. That's a, that's a truism. And it, it does have a, a long lasting impact. So whether it's a pandemic or not, when we talk about any kind of social services that are being provided by the government, there is, I think, a real case for using GIS to help figure out where the problem spots are and where people need help. Because you know, we all anecdotally look at news and we synthesize our own viewpoint of the world. And in some cases, that viewpoint, when uh, challenged with the actual data, what you thought you knew and what is actually true is completely different. And so I, I think as we have a fiduciary responsibility to the taxpayers to deploy you know, social services resources correctly, I don't know that we can do it successfully without a good GIS component in there. I, I think that's going to be critical going forward. Yeah, and I think uh, you know that kind of brings me back to Nancy and with you being the public health lab, if, if in the future, if we're mapping some of your various clusters of outbreaks of various things or existence of various things, if that will help better in a response or looking at, uh, what do they say, uh, other factors that influence what you're seeing. I don't know how, what your abilities are, Nancy, now for kind of, uh, what would you say, kind of multivariate analysis. Yeah, I'm sure it will be helpful in the future. Um, the lab plays an interesting role because we depend heavily on the epidemiologist to kind of give us that information and figure out where to test and then and then we do the testing part. So um, we have to do it with the with all of the health department. You know, we're we're not separate from them. We we rely on them quite a bit um, for that data. So kind of going back to your idea with the relationships, it sounds like over you know over time you've built relationships even with the local health departments. And and I would imagine in this type of a situation you know, you have benefited greatly for having those. Um, in addition to that is how, how, what is that relationship like with this, with the state and the local health departments and kind of what is the define, what, you know, how do you define the different roles between the two? I, I feel like our relationship as a lab has been really, really positive because they're looking to us to do a test. Um, so we're not, um, we're not the, um, I guess we're not requiring that they do the test. It's more the state health department uh, and the locals. They have more interactions that are um, <clears throat> different than the lab. We, we, it seems like our relationships are really positive throughout the state because we're there for them whenever they need a test done. So um, I'm not sure with the state health department and the locals 
what that relationship is like, but I've, in my traveling, it's always seemed really positive and, um, there's a lot of turnover and stuff. So, um, it, it changes and modifies through the years, but it's been pretty positive. I think like you, uh, GIS in the state of Utah is very much driven or enabled by personal relationships and by us as uh, the Utah Geospatial Resource Center staff getting out and visiting people or contacting them on the phone uh, during the pandemic. But definitely it's, it's all about relationships. Agreed. There's, um, you know, some test sites that um, have told me they don't talk to anyone in Salt Lake except for me. So, <laughs> you know, that there's just a lot of like old relationships that um, I engaged with to get people to test and to uh, get those samples sent. And it's it was really important, really crucial in Utah. Is there anything we've learned from this, this pandemic moving forward? Um, and I know just one of the things that comes to my mind instantly is I look at it, some of the different sites like the New York Times and then the state health department's numbers and and things seem to be reported differently. Um, you know, like one map is showing blaring red. Another one is saying, yeah, things are moderate. And I think it comes down to the way things are reported, you know, with the 14-day rate or the, the daily rate. Is there anything that you guys can think of that we've learned? We've learned a ton. Um, yeah. We, we've learned uh, that we have a bit of a soft underbelly on the uh, on some of the IT systems, which we were able to correct using some of the CARES funding. And, and uh, we have learned that there is uh, a great willingness in the community to jump in and participate. Uh, there's been a lot of private business that has kind of thrown open their doors and said, well, how can we help? Uh, and, and I think as a, a state, we fared fairly well because of that let's get it done attitude. And, and I've looked at a lot of the IT challenges that we had. And, and some of those would be just as, even as simple as interfacing between groups. And as, as Nancy indicated, you know, initially we, we started out pretty rough on a lot of, in a lot of areas with how we were collecting data and, and trying to get that pushed into data warehouses and other systems. And, and we refined that pretty quick. I mean, we did a lot of software development with the community in a very short period of time. So, I think we have learned a lot about how to interact with with our, our partners, both at the local health departments and and what some of the needs they're going to have in the future, because they they operate as an agent of the state, but they're fairly independent. So there were a lot of needs that they had that they had simply never understood they were going to um, recognize a risk in a pandemic. So this, the, I think the relationship between the, the state and the local health departments from an IT side got uh, a lot better than it's ever been. And we hope to leverage that going forward so that we can continue to let them know about the new technologies we're playing with. And if there's something that we've got purchased as a state and, and can benefit the local health departments, we're going to be pushing that out so that they know what resources are available to them as well. I think that's great. Yeah, no, those are great lessons learned. Well, thanks, guys. This this was super informative. So thanks for taking the time. Thank you for the invite. It was it was enjoyable. Thank you. See you someday. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you have any ideas for future episodes, please let us know. We will be publishing another episode in January, so please stay tuned. Thanks for listening and have a safe and enjoyable holiday season.
Remember, location matters.